Hello, and welcome to the Lake Forest Church Huntersville Sermon Podcast. We are a community of skeptics, spiritual explorers, and longtime followers of Christ. To learn more about who we are as a church and how you can get connected, visit lakeforest.org. Yeah, fun. Here we go. Let's start with God's word today. Uh, We're going to talk about writing a better story with our life. Isaiah 43, 19, by the end of uh, this message, I hope you kind of have this almost memorized. So let's bring up Isaiah 43, 19, and let's all read God's word to one another. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This is God's word to us today. It's God's word about God's story. God is doing a new thing, God says, through the prophet Isaiah. Advancing God's story, his macro story in particular, the new thing being predicted here very specifically, is that he's going to do a new thing that we call the gospel today, the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus will come He will be the God-man. He will live a perfect life. He will die a forgiving, atoning death on behalf of our sin. And he will effect an empowering resurrection with the power to rescue and redeem everyone with eyes to see and ears to hear. Is that you? The primary new thing God has been doing and is today is rescuing and redeeming people from a broken relationship with him back into relationship with him through the good news of Jesus. Have you simply said yes to Jesus? Allowed him to rescue you and repair your relationship with God and now live a redeemed life as part of his restoration of God's will for this planet and for every one of our lives. Have you said yes to Jesus? Do you just say it yes now? That's what faith means that's the big story when Isaiah the prophet says on behalf of God look I'm doing a new thing bringing streams in the desert away in the wilderness that's the big story but if you live by faith it's also a promise to you and your story your life whatever page you're on in your own life story right now sitting here God is ready to write a new thing springing up in your story as a subplot of his big gospel story out of whatever wilderness, out of whatever wasteland you're in or have in your past. What's next in your story? Some pages have just turned in your life and in mine. Are you on the verge of empty nest? That's fresh on my mind today because two weeks from now, the last boy moves out. That's the new page in my story. Are you retiring soon? Have you retired recently? Are you starting college? What an amazing new page to turn. Are you just out of vocational training or school and starting a job or career? I know a Lake Forest family that just received a very unwelcome medical diagnosis. That's the new page, the unwanted new page turn in their story. Are you engaged? Are you pregnant? Are you struggling to become pregnant? Are you changing careers? Have you just moved? Are you recently divorced? Are you newly dating? Have you lost a loved one? Are you starting middle school? That's a cool new page to turn, but a little scary. 
Are you starting high school? Hear what God says about the next chapter of your story. Let's read it to one another once more. Isaiah 43, verse 19, all together. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So, here's how the story begins. In the beginning, there was Star Wars. It was good. It was very good. And it was the favorite movie of Mike Moses and his two little boys from their youngest age. In fact, I brought, here's the bin of Star Wars toys that lives at my house still. My sons, although they grow up, they would, can never remove a Star Wars toy from the Moses house. These stay with me, and they will be grandchild magnets, hopefully, one day. Man, we play, these are broken and well used. I'll never get money for them. There's no vintage condition Star Wars toys at the Moses household. When I say we love Star Wars, man, we love Star Wars. Uh, we're such huge fans that, that for Dylan's 11th birthday, we descended on Burkdale with about 15 11-year-old boys in Jedi costumes with, with lightsabers as party gifts. We rampaged all the way through, having lightsaber battles all the way through Burkdale down to the movie theater where we went to opening night of Revenge of the, uh, of the, of the Sith in 2005. We are such Star Wars fanatics that we managed to birth our oldest child on May the 4th so that the rest of his life, everybody he knows says, may the 4th be with you to Dylan Moses. That's how crazy we are about it. Uh, Santa Claus still brings to my 20-something sons a, a, a Star Wars toy every year in their stocking, and Santa will do that until Santa dies in our house. And, and this year for Christmas, I bought the boys a virtual reality lightsaber game that is super cool. Uh, one of them has it, or I'll show you the amazing lightsaber this thing is. Dude, I love me some Star Wars with my sons. Uh, and then came Harry Potter as another shared magical movie experience for us together. And then came Lord of the Rings when they were old enough to see orcs eating each other alive on screen. And then came with me and my boys, Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre. <laughs> we've still, we've, and we got the wrestling mask to prove it. Uh, at our house still in our costume bin, I wore one of them for Halloween recently. Uh, all those stories are part and parcel of my friendship now with my grown-up sons. I don't mean to overdo Star Wars and go, Star Wars is the reason my boys love me. It's a, but you know what? Aren't the best stories and the stories we love, don't they become a part of the good fabric of our relationships? Stories so important to us, really is. And then like for me and Angie, in case love isn't enough, we'll always have the movies Raising Arizona and Princess Bride to keep us together. <laughs> for me personally, Blade Runner is my favorite movie story. We love movies for one simple fact, and this is really what we wanna talk about today. We love story, and I can tell you exactly why that is about you. We love story because humans are a storied species. It's just where we come from. It's who we are. It's the kind of place that we find ourselves. We find ourselves in a story, therefore we love story. We learn from story. We celebrate story. We love good stories. 
And here's how we begin to know this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the very beginning of the Bible, says, in the beginning, God. You see, God has been kind enough to tell us our backstory. It's this and all this, God. The beginning of our backstory starts and ends with God. There is a God. We can see this plainly in creation, that there is divinity, there is a power, there is a prime mover. Somebody lit the match to start the Big Bang. We can, everyone without fail is responsible to know that, but God has revealed God's nature and character to us through his saving acts in history recorded in Scripture. One reason we are Reformed or Presbyterian in our theology here at Lake Forest Church is that we see in the Scriptures that God is the first word, God is the last word, God is the ground of all being, the initiator of existence, the curator of all that is, and because God is sovereign and almighty, God will have what God will have in the end, and because his character is good, that means it will be good, and I trust that mostly because of what I know about God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. God is the author of the macro story of the cosmos, life and existence, and we therefore live grateful lives in return to that God. And we just sang our gratitude. Now, I want to do theological heavy lifting for just a moment. I will contend with you what the greatest Christian theologians through the centuries have agreed upon but said in different ways for 2,000 years. That This mystery that somehow, because God is good and almighty, the world that we live in and the, and the things we struggle with and love is the best of all possible worlds that God could have created in order for God's sovereignty and for human meaningful decision making sometimes called free will including the freedom to love God loves us first and we make a meaningful decision whether or not to love God in return and love others or not and in order for this to actually happen and in order for the eternal destiny of the cosmos to be the new heavens and the new earth by the resurrection power of Jesus when all will be well things must be as they are what we believe so in the beginning God created this is where the story starts God and it was good he created us as part of the good creation and we were in harmonious relationship with God harmonious relationship with other homo sapiens and with the planet and other creatures and then humans did what the prophet Isaiah says we stepped off God's path to follow our own or in Sunday school language, we sinned. We said, God, thanks, man. You're almighty and all good and all powerful. What you gave me is awesome. But guess what? When it comes to my life, I'm running the show. And I'm going to intentionally not do things your way. And that broke our fellowship with God and hurt our relationship with others and the world we live in. And in our sin, what happened next in the story is recorded in Romans 1.25. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. What archaeologists and uh, sociological archaeologists and historians affirm is that humans quickly lost the knowledge and the worship of the one true relational loving God. And in our sin, we began worshiping other lower things. And that's where the story got stuck. It became cyclical. 
regarding religion and philosophy and destiny. In fact, it's a fact that the pagan religion that typified every human society in prehistory and early history, as far as we know, in some way worshipped creatures, not the one higher creator God. And many of these, these pagan religions, which were later called idol-worshipping religions, had this one worldview thing in common. They saw time, their lives, their own tribe, their destiny, the world, and gods as all living cyclically. cyclically. In other words, history without progress, much less any sense of destination or destiny. The story got stuck. But then God was pleased to re-reveal himself, re-communicate himself back to this fallen race called human beings. Re-communicate himself in the story. He just picked this one family, Abraham, and, and grew out of them the nation of Israel to be his people, to begin to reveal his character and his plan to the world through them, ultimately through the ultimate son of Abraham, the suffering servant representative of Israel, Jesus to reveal his love and effect redemption to everyone with ears to hear. And then, when he began to reveal himself again through the Jews, and Moses wrote Genesis 1-1, those few words I just read to you, in the beginning... They hit the pagan world stuck in the cyclical view of things like a thunderclap saying, what? A world that was resigned to the fatalism that everything has always been going in a circle in the past and will always go in a circle in the future. It's not going anywhere, so just take your place as a spoke in the wheel. It's going round and round. It's just one dang thing after another. And suddenly God reveals, in the beginning, God, what? There was a beginning? What? It's going somewhere? What? There's someone directing the story? This has been most well articulated. The the novelty of it in human history has been best articulated by the historian Thomas Cahill in his book, The Gift of the Jews. I recommend this book to you highly. It's a work of history. He's not necessarily a Christian historian. And he says this. I'll put it on screen. Since time is no longer cyclical but one way and irreversible, Personal history is now possible and an individual life can have value. And suddenly, people can dream. And people have a sense, maybe my story is going somewhere. Maybe it can have meaning. Maybe it can be written into something larger and bigger. Your story has meaning, and it, it is a subplot of God's great big story. He, he is writing you in, and you can either consciously enjoy and be joyful and cooperate as a subplot of his bigger story, or unconsciously, he will use you even still. In, in his, as a subplot of his big story, what's the great big story? Well, here's the, the summarized story of the whole this taught in the Bible. The Bible is really the great big story. It starts with creation. I mentioned that a moment ago. God created it good, said it's very good, including the people he put here. He didn't create it perfectly. He put humans here and said, hey, go do stuff. Take it somewhere. Bring order and beauty and productivity and love people well. Go do some stuff. He created it good. And then the, the next part of the story is the fall. 
We stepped off God's path to follow our own. And we fell from grace. We fell out of relationship with God. Relationally, spiritually, existentially, physically. We are now separate from God because of sin. And its effects are devastating throughout history. And then the next part of the great big story is redemption. Through Israel, God began his plan that, was to, that in the end was effected by the hero. God wrote himself in the story as the hero, the God-man Jesus who came to redeem us back to himself through his sacrificial atoning death on the cross to forgive our sin and his resurrection from the dead three days later. And now, the last chapter of the story is where we live today is restoration This is the rest of the New Testament after the Gospels. Is we participate now in allowing God's Spirit to to restore ourselves back into right relationship with God throughout our life, to restore us as a human being to who we were made to be, and to participate in God's restoration activities of love, mercy, peace, justice uh, while we're on this planet. And then one day when Jesus returns, he says he will make all things new, the ultimate restoration. And then a new story will begin. And we don't know much about that yet. So creation, fall, redemption, restoration is the great big story. And would you now read with me again Isaiah 43, 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And now, the real new thing was the redemption of people and all of creation through God's Messiah, Jesus, and then our participation in his in acts of restoration now in history and per- receiving restoration at the end of history when he returns. And now, because of this promise from Isaiah, it says, I am doing a new thing, it also applies to you and me. Not that we're the new Messiah, but that our story can be a subplot in God's story. It can be a part of God's goodness, part of the direction forward towards a good kingdom if we choose to participate by faith and actions. So let's read it together one more time. Isaiah 43, 19. And now I want to start talking about your story. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. There are a lot of unique stories here in this room today and those of you worshiping online. And God spoke through the prophet Isaiah to be sure that when it's time for a new thing in your life, career, marriage for some, health for others, loss, impending loss, seeking a soulmate, whatever new thing is going on in your life that you welcome or or did not welcome, we don't just go, okay, time for the next thing, blah, blah, blah. Tomorrow's just just the next thing in my life. So that we don't accept Henry Ford's famous view of history. History is just one damn thing after another. No, not for you. If you allow God to write you in as a subplot, as part of his great big story, the Lord of life who loves you and created you says, look, I'm doing a new thing. You got some wilderness, you got some desert in your life. Streams are springing up. 
be part of the new thing I'm doing in your life. Do you not perceive it? Because we all live in God's grand cosmic story, a a sovereign God who in the end will have what God will have and a God who's motivated by joy so the end of it will be good. Your life and mine is a short story written into the larger narrative, echoing to greater and greater glory to God and greater joy to every single thing created by the good God because he is orchestrating it to wind up that way. Though it's a beautiful mystery, you and I step into every day when we write another part of our story, another page. God says, I'm doing a new thing. And the great mystery is, is in what way is God's hand over mine? as I am writing the next sentence. Now here's what I think, friends. I think God sat over the great dark nothing and wrote you specifically into God's story. Put you in there with the sunrise and the rainstorm as though to say, enjoy your place in my story. The beauty of it means you matter and you can create within it even as I have created you. Uh, Speaking of Star Wars, uh, I haven't yet made it to see the new Spider-Man, Toy Story, and the Lion King movies, but I'm looking forward to that. Most of us have viewed hundreds of movies and read hundreds of books, and yet we still hunger for new stories. Like, if you went to the beach this summer, you're like, man, what is a beach-worthy book? Because it's got to be a really good story to be worth my vacation time. Why? Why? Because God bent the whole universe toward new stories. And each time he creates a person, he says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Telling a new story. And every time you and I wake up in the morning, he says, your story is a new thing all over again now. You don't have to be stuck in a fatalistic, cyclical, going nowhere story of either ancient or modern forms of idol worship. My friend, Don, a friend of Lake Forest uh, from some years back, Donald Miller, writes this. You can call it God or a conscience or the force or Buddha, or you can dismiss it as that intuitive knowledge we all have as human beings, as living storytellers. But there is a knowing, I feel, that guides me toward better stories, toward being a better character in the story. I believe there's a writer outside ourselves plotting a better story for us, interacting with us even, and whispering a better story into our consciousness. And at this point, I want to turn and focus our remaining minutes on your story and mine and telling a better story with our life. We want to go to movies. We want to read books that are a better story. I don't be like, what's the worst story? I'm going to go to that movie. We don't go to those movies. They fail. How can we tell a better story with our life? How can I write a better story? Uh, Don Miller writes in a book that I'll mention to you in a minute. If you watch a movie about a guy who wanted a Volvo and worked for years to get it, you probably wouldn't cry at the end when he drove off the lot testing the windshield wipers. You wouldn't tell your friends you saw a beautiful movie. You wouldn't go home and put on music to think about the story that you just saw. The truth is you wouldn't remember that movie a week later. You'd feel robbed and want your money back. Nobody cries at the end of a movie about a guy who wants a Volvo. Yet, friends, because of the entropy and difficulty of life, many of us may spend years actually living stories as small as that one and yet still expect our lives to be meaningful and hope for meaningfulness. The truth is, Miller writes, if what we choose to do with our lives won't make a movie meaningful, it won't make our life meaningful either. 
And so how do we tell a better story with our life? Well, there's a world-famous class at the top film school in the world, the University of Southern California, USC Film School, and the class is called Simply, Simply Story. It's taught by Professor Robert McKee. People fly from all over the world to take this. Celebrities go take the class because it's so well-known. And it's a bet. He is the foremost expert of what makes a great story in a movie. And Donald Miller, the, the writer I mentioned, went and took the class and then wrote about how he thought it applies to our life as well. And so for a few minutes, since God invented story, God is the great storyteller, let's learn from the person who's understood God's idea of story best, the acknowledge expert, and let's see how we can apply it to tell a better story with our lives. And, and these next points, I won't really know which ones I'm quoting McKee and which ones I'm quoting Miller, but telling a better story with my life. Number one, all good stories have an inciting incident. And by the way, today is part two of this sermon. Next week will be part, uh, I'm sorry, today is part one. <laughs> You start with the first Star Wars, uh, and, and next week will be part two. We will continue it as we look through the lens of Remember the Titans. Number one, all good stories have an inciting incident. That's a doorway through which the protagonist cannot return. When Luke Skywalker, out in the desert on the middle of the planet Tatooine, found out, dude, my dad is a Jedi, he can never go back through the door of living without that knowledge. It was the inciting incident behind the Star Wars saga. Christians, the day you put your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and God, you can't go back through that door living only for self. When some of you found out that you or your child has a disability, that's a door that changed what the future trajectory of all of your lives would look like. It's a different story than you thought, and you can't go back through that door. When you, perhaps as a person of color, first experienced the realization that you were sometimes treated differently and worse because of the color of your skin, you couldn't go back through that door. That was an inciting incident for you. When you get married, when you have a child, when you take a job, when you start a new grade in school, when you get a bad diagnosis you don't want to hear or a loved one does, it's an inciting incident. You can't go back. It's the start of a new story. And God says, I'm doing a new thing even now, even if it feels like a wilderness. Will you watch it spring up and cooperate with me? Or will you write a meaningful story now after this inciting incident? And, and we all understand there are days when we look back longingly on days before that inciting incident. But we can't go back like the characters on my still favorite TV show, Lost. Remember the very end, if you watch that show, Jack, kind of the hero guy. He's like, I want to go back to the island. But you can't go back. And an inciting incident is one in which the character cannot go back. And I, I wonder, what is your most recent inciting incident? Some of you know it it's just immediately. It might be vocational. It might be relational. It may be something else. What's the most recent inciting incident that really has, is changing? It may be an opportunity, like, it's awesome, I'm going through that door. Or it may be a door that you got pushed through, and it slammed behind you, and you don't want to be on the other side of that door. What is your most recent inciting incident? And would you hear God saying through Isaiah, look, I want to do a new thing in your life. Streams in your wilderness. Streams in the desert. 
after this inciting incident. Robert McKee, the story guru, says number two, for a story to be good, the character has to want something. In Star Wars, the newer character, Finn, is actually a, we, we, we learn of a stormtrooper for the first time in his whole life, and he wants something. He wants to be out from under, being subservient to the empire, and he just wants freedom to live a normal life. For a story to be good, the character has to want something. The more badly, McKee says, the character wants it, and the harder the thing is to achieve, the better the story, the better the movie, the better the life. Think of Frodo and Sam crawling up Mount Doom. Must get the one ring of power to Mount Doom. That'd be a boring story if they just had to get the, the ring from one desk drawer to the kitchen. Who'd go see that movie? Not me. Think, think, of, uh, think of, remember the movie that starts with Dobby the Elf saying, Harry Potter must not go back to Hogwarts School of Wizardry this year. But Harry did go back, even though it was difficult, because he wanted some important things. He wanted to belong. He wanted family. And he actually wanted to use what he had to oppose he who shall not be named. <laughs> For a story to be good, the character has to want something. Robert McKee says a story goes to the next level with two key elements. Both have to do with the simplicity of what the main character wants. First, the thing the character wants must be difficult to attain. That's the more difficult it is, the better the story. Secondly, what elevates for a good story to epic is if what the character wants is sacrificial and good for others. This is from McKee, who is not a Christian. But he says, this is, this is how story works. This is how God made it. This is the universe we live in. Write a better story with our lives and to make it epic. Let's include sacrifice in our ambition, sacrifice that is good for others, for those whom you love, for those who are lonely, those who are in need, those who are oppressed, for those who don't know the love of Jesus yet, the immense unbreakable love of Jesus for them. If any of those is part of your, what you want, you are living an epic story, even if the audience who sees is only the one, the writer, clapping for joy and glory. So let me just ask you, what do you want? What do you want? Now that you're in this new, whatever your most recent inciting incident was, what do you want? It may be vocational. It may be relational. It may have to do with a hobby. It may have to do with big, huge issues. What is it? Is it hard? Is it sacrificial? Because that's a better story. What do you want? Something important, helpful, something useful, something beautiful. What do you want? McKee says in his seminar, this is, in his class, this is half the battle of a great movie is knowing what the main character wants. It's good if what you want is a good job that utilizes who God made you to be and provides for you and others and is useful to society. Whether that's cleaning homes or directing hundreds of employees, that's a good thing to want. What do you want? Now, if you grew up in an evangelical subculture Christian home, you might be deflecting the question. You'd be like, oh, no, I just want what God wants. That's usually sometimes a way of Christians avoiding the question, avoiding responsibility for our own choices and keeping the back door open to blame God for whatever happens in my life because I confused passivity for whatever God wants to do. 
So listen, in whatever area of your life you're thinking about, as long as what you want is not sin, you know, like as long as what you want is not, well, I'd like to be a cocaine dealer and a pimp at the same time, right? Don't do that, but whatever you want, it, big or small, if it's not sin, God loves that and cheers you on and wants to empower you to live that out in your story and to want that and create that and do that and be that. Uh, Don Miller writes, I was watching the movie Star Wars and wondered what made that movie so good. Of course, there are a thousand reasons, but I'd also noticed that if I paused the DVD on any frame, I could point toward any major character and say exactly what that person wanted. No character had a vague ambition. It made me wonder if the reasons our lives seem so muddled is because we keep walking into scenes in which we, along with the people around us, have no clear idea what we want. What do you want? Do you want to be a faithful follower of Jesus who lives on his mission as a part of everything you do? That's big and sacrificial. You know what I hope you want? I hope you want one of your ambitions, what your character wants, is to love the fat out of the people close in your life, to love them, to pour so much grace on them, not that because they deserve it, because they say the wrong stuff, they do wrong things, they don't love you perfectly all the time, not because they deserve it, but because God loved us when we didn't deserve it. And I hope you, part of what you want that's sacrificial is to pour crazy love on the few people that God has given you to do life with, like crazy undeserved. I hope that's part of your ambition that's sacrificial. Maybe it's is what you want to attack big problems in small ways, to care about people who know God, don't know God and need to know. It is part of what you want. Will, will you stay alive to the immense suffering that is poverty, injustice, and incivility in this world and take it on in, in just the small bite-sized amounts you come across in your life or maybe some of you in large ways? What do you want? And it's okay for some of you to be like, I want my golf score to get better. God likes that too. He made you to be out and enjoy Sabbath and play and adventure and companionship and feasting. with. I want to feast more with my friends this year. God is honored by that. Third, our final point today. The point of a story, McKee says, is character transformation. Interesting. Remember, he's not a believer. But this is what he says is the point of a good story. And so perhaps, since God made story that way, that's the point of life too. Think about the good stories that you love, the good movies that you love. In nearly every of those movies, the protagonist is transformed. He starts off and he's a jerk. And you're like, man, why is this guy the hero of the movie? He's such a jerk. And then by the end of the movie, he's like a good dude just a little bit. Or, or you know, she starts off maybe at the beginning a coward and then is brave at the end of the movie. Maybe if story is that way, Maybe God designed life to change us by God so that, like the physical creation, each of us persons evolves from one kind of person to another as part of the goal of why God put us here. And that's part of the new thing he's doing at every page turn of our life. The well-known megachurch pastor Rick Warren in Southern California, I listened to a ton of his sermons when I was a baby preacher just trying to learn from a master. And he says this in almost every sermon. Like, you're like, okay, there he goes again. But, he, but it's powerful. He says, you can live as though you're a victim in life's school of hard knocks, or you can live as though you are a student in God's school of life transformation. You decide. 
and it'll make all the difference all day, every day. And that's actually what the Bible calls, what, what McKee calls character transformation is what the New Testament calls sanctification. It, it's a major part of God's will for your life and mine when you be, become a follower of Jesus. When we become a Christian and put our faith in Jesus, our sin, its nature and its guilt is blown away and replaced by the righteousness of Christ that now resides in our spirit. But we're invited to lifelong working out the righteousness of Christ onto the outside in our words, and our behavior, character transformation. And so let's end here. What's your newest insight? I hope you'll talk this over a little bit this afternoon or journal about it with somebody. What's your most recent inciting incident, welcome or unwelcome, but it's calling for new things in your life. Will you, will you believe God's word today that he's doing a new thing on the other side of that inciting incident? Will you name it? Secondly, what do you want on the other side of that door now in this part of your life? What do you want? And, and what's more difficult and what's even sacrificial about what you want because you want an epic story that you're co-writing with your heavenly father. And thirdly, as you go after what you want in this new season of life, will you walk in the Holy Spirit and have eyes to see new transformative aspects of your character that are called forth now for you to develop in your ongoing sanctification? And will you receive this as being part of God's school of character transformation? And therefore, this season too can be a better story for your life. Would you stand and I'm gonna close this with prayer. Don't worry, we don't have three songs coming now. <laughs> Heavenly Father, you're so good. And so right now, would you re reveal to us in the coming days, would you give us faith to believe, oh Lord, on the other side of this inciting incident, you're, you're ready to do a new thing even now that'll feel like a stream, a cool brook flowing through my wilderness. God, help us to be those who know what we want, to want hard things and to be willing to go through great difficulty and conflict and twists and turns in the story to get it. May they be sacrificial in many ways also for the sake of your mission in this world. And Lord, reveal to us what act of character transformation you are calling us toward in this season of our life. Lord, we wanna tell a great story with each of our lives. We, we just do for our joy, for others' good, and for your glory. So we put our lives in your hand for the first time or again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.